Um, well, this book started in Arkansas. I was an archivist there from 2012 to 2015. So it was about three and a half years. And I was working on finishing up my first book, which, which is called Marching Masters, which I think we've talked about uh, previously on the podcast. But I was in Arkansas. I didn't know the state. I was living in Little Rock. So I was working downtown in the archive. And how I kind of work is I'm always overlapping projects. So as, as I was finishing up the first book, I wanted to think about a second one and wanted to write about a big Arkansan. And if I didn't know a lot about Johnny Cash, I didn't know he was from Arkansas. I had seen Walk the Line, but didn't know a whole lot other than mm-hmm. what probably other people know from, from uh, Walk the Line or, or whatever. But uh, I had found some things in the archive there that were really interesting, really rare, some photos, some audio, and so I started doing some research on this series of concerts that he did in 1968 for Governor Rockefeller, who was the first Republican governor since Reconstruction. He was a reformer. He was trying to reform the prisons and gambling and hot springs and a bunch of things because Arkansas was so kind of underdeveloped. Uh, so he had a lot to do and he was kind of as this realignment is happening between Republicans and Democrats, uh, the Democrats in Arkansas are, are the conservative party and, and everything. Um, but um, Rockefeller, I, I liked a lot. I liked how he tackled these, these big problems and the prisons was one. And I discovered that Cash had played a concert at Cummins prison farm in 1969. It was the only time he played for the prisoners in Arkansas and this is after his Folsom concert, after the San Quentin album and everything, or around the time the San, the San Quentin album is coming out. But uh, so he's doing those big, famous uh, prison shows, but he does this, this kind of smaller one in Arkansas. So I was doing some research in that into the newspapers, trying to find whatever archival material I could. So it kind of just kept snowballing. And to make a long story short, uh, it, it started to kind of go off in these different directions in terms of cash in Arkansas, started with the prison concerts, but then I started doing research on the Great Depression in Arkansas and the cash family in Arkansas and the uh, farmer community in Dias, which is in the northeastern part of the state in Mississippi mm. County. It was a, a town that was built from nothing, pretty much just swamps and in uh, forest uh they created this, mm-hmm. this community for farmers they give you 20 acres you pay off your house over time all those so it just kind of started snowballing into all these different projects and i wrote a couple of articles and for for local journals and then uh, I, I just kept reading more and i figured well i've got maybe two or three chapters maybe mm-hmm. this is enough to be a book so after months and years, I figured, well, I think I just got to kind of have to sit down and try to write out a a full length book. So it started in Arkansas. I started doing the really heavy duty writing after a couple of years. And by that point, I'd moved to Virginia. So uh, a lot of it was done in Virginia, um, but I had a lot of research and, you know, was reading new things and and discovering new sources, but Mm. it took a long time. I mean, I guess altogether, 2012 to 2022 took about 10 years. So it it was a long project, not helped by the fact that I've had uh, multiple moves and some job changes and things like that, but I eventually finished it and (laughs) will be available in a couple of weeks, July 29th. In fact, July 29th. I, so you've been a previous guest. Um, I count you as a three-time guest, but you're a two-time guest that actually made the air uh this being the second time (laughs) yeah um so you're from boston originally or the boston area um not exactly i'm more from the worcester area it's it's Mm. central mass small town so Mm. i grew up in a small town so of course i can be an authority on all small towns um (laughs) but no i mean in a weird way there's a lot of similarities between where i grew up and where Cash grew up because 
I live in a post-industrial town. The mills moved out, I don't know, the 1970s or early 80s, before I even moved there in the 1980s. And there's not a whole lot going on there. I mean, it's a lot bigger than Dias. I mean, my town was like 5,000 people. It's kind of been that way. But hmm. Dias used to be a couple thousand people, and now it's a couple hundred. So it's really just been decimated by the changes, factory farming, essentially with, mm. you know, mechanized cotton harvesters and things like that. So yeah, where Cash grew up, I mean, there's his house has been revived because he's mm. famous, but I mean, it's just, it's flat, empty cotton mm. land. And I mean, it's, it's cool to be up there if you want to see like a real, you know, cotton town. Um, but mm. there's nothing to do there and there's nowhere to go to school. You got to go to Memphis. You got to go to Jonesboro. So in a way, I mean, growing up as I did, you know, we didn't, we didn't mm. have a lot of money either. I lived in, the, I lived in a room with my brother mm. and cash did too. So it, in a way, you know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, close to my story and it's, and it's not, uh, you well, know, mostly, but you know, the, you, you kind of make these connections as you're going along. The question I was going to ask yeah. is, um, so growing up in the South, like I did, you know, yeah. of course I grew up in outside of Atlanta, um, but you couldn't turn on a radio even in the 80s. You couldn't turn on a country radio station even in the 1980s and not hear some Johnny Cash eventually. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so... I grew up kind of around he was kind of the background music I would say to my early childhood. Sure. In a lot of ways. So how did you were you aware of him in Worcester Mass? Or? No, not at all. Okay. I mean, I don't even okay. think I probably heard a Johnny Cash song until they were playing it around the time I think Walk the Line came out. You yeah. maybe even before that. There was I remember there's one ad that was I think it had Ring of Fire on it. Yeah. I can't remember the the product or whatever, but um, yeah. I think around the time Walk the Line came in, I, or, or probably a little before that, because I think I'd I'd liked Ring of Fire, and then I bought this. It's one of the best music purchases I've, I've ever made. It was mm. I still have it. It's a three disc Columbia, like best of his Columbia music, and so it goes from you know, the mid fifties to the mid eighties and mm. ring of fire was on there, but there's all this other stuff. And there's probably, I, I don't know, I don't know, 80 songs or something mm. on there, mm. but mm. Um, that's how I kind of got into him. Mm. And it, it was not something that was played at all. But as, as far as I remember, I mean, maybe there were some stations out of Boston that were playing country, but I really don't remember it at all. My parents weren't into it. Yeah. No one yeah. talked about country music. No, I mean, I'm sure there were <laughs> redneck kids who had yeah. some Johnny Cash albums, but it was not talked about. Country was like a lame, you know, thing that that conservative Southern people listened to. I mean, I had no, yeah, I had no way of connecting to that music. It was all classic rock and hip hop uh, and right. all that stuff. So, so it was much later, I mean, it was in so, grad yeah, I mean, I mean, I was aware of him as a, as a kid. Because you couldn't live here and, and not be, especially if you're white. Yeah. But um, when I guess we're basically the same age. So around in my 20s that Rick Rubin started putting out these Johnny Cash albums. And I remember a friend of mine had one. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. And then when I heard his version of Hurt on the radio, you know, the Nine Inch Nails song. Yeah. That was Jesus first time i heard that yeah um, that all came later for me i mean I, I, I was a grad student at lsu in baton rouge so mm. i was picking up a lot more southern mm. music i mean mm. not just country but jazz but mm. even the ruben stuff i wasn't listening to that until much later okay okay so tell me okay so you basically took johnny cash you had a blank slate as far as his music and his his um um his life basically so tell right. me tell me about t looking at johnny cash from a blank slate 
what did you what did you learn about this man <laughs> this giant uh, well like you say yeah i mean it was a blank slate so i didn't really come in at i the only thing i knew was from walk the line initially mm-hmm. and just kind of knowing that he was probably the biggest country guy ever i mean that's how i framed him initially mm-hmm. and i i mean that's arguable i you know i mm-hmm. i think in terms of his popularity, his influence, how long he was performing. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to my guns on that. But obviously there are people who prefer, G, who prefer George Jones or Hank Williams or Patsy Cline or whatever. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm not saying he's the best. <laughs> I'm just saying he's probably the biggest. He had a TV show. Uh, I mean, he was selling more albums than the Beatles were in 1969. So mm-hmm. usually popular guy. Um, so really, a, it's just all of it was really new to me. I think at some point I had read, it wasn't just Walk the Line. At some point I read his second autobiography. I, that might have been mm-hmm. after I saw Walk the Line or before. I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. there's this line, there's a part in High Fidelity where, if you, I'm assuming you've seen that movie, but uh, mm-hmm. there. It, takes place in a record store in Chicago and the guy who owns it is Rob and he's talking about books that he likes. And he says his favorite book is cash by Johnny cash. And so mm-hmm. I might've read it after I saw that movie. So there was that, but then, you know, you kind of forget it uh, until you're doing really heavy research. You just don't really know what you're talking about usually. So all of it was really new and I wanted to steer away from the usual stuff that people talk about in Johnny Cash books, not busting on biographers or, or anything, but I didn't want it to be like about the drugs and trashing hotel rooms and the kind of outlaw stuff. Uh, there's a lot of that, but I want to try to stay focused on Arkansas and, and kind of view him as a roots musician more than anything. I mean, he's obviously country, he's gospel, he's rock and roll, but kind of like how he's tries to stay rooted in his life but also his sound because the sound doesn't really change all that much i mean there's some songs where he's maybe some horns like in ring of fire or, or there's some slide guitar uh like and there's one album i like a lot uh called now there was a song it's from the early 60s so he he mixes it up a little but he pretty much tries to stay true yeah. to that um that that johnny cash sound so in a ways he's a roots musician, he's these other things, but he's also just kind of his own thing. And he didn't really like being categorized. So Mm. uh, there were a lot of directions I could go with it. And I did weave in some kind of more general biographical stuff, but I didn't want to get too far away from the Arkansas story or how this idea of rootedness, this idea of place plays out in his life. I didn't want to get too far away from that. Cause I mean, he's all over the place. He's not, in he Arkansas, was, he was forever. in Germany for a minute. Right. He was in um, Tennessee. I mean, I, when I think of him, I think of somebody in Tennessee. Sure, I and mean, in yeah. a way, I kind of wanted to reclaim him for Arkansas because I don't mm. think he really loved Nashville. Um, it was kind of a necessary evil to live there because you can't make a living as a musician in Arkansas. So you either gotta go to. I, nashville or somewhere else now we're gonna talk about that yeah (laughs) no one no one learns more on my podcast than i do i swear to god he didn't like our he didn't like nashville not really i mean i think it was a love-hate relationship i think a lot of him living there had to do obviously with the fact that columbia you know has studios in in nashville so he has to record there but Mm. june was really his kind of entree into like the country music establishment because she was she was country through and through i mean the the carters started country music as much as i just want to keep talking about that i always feel like i should back up and say i have an audience all over the world sure we we should say right now that we're talking about johnny cash this country music hell music icon not even country music icon yeah um he was married to june carter who was his help me here second 
That's right. Wife, second wife. Um, and she was the daughter of the Carter family, who is, I mean, good Lord, we call it country music because we, you know, because the man, so so to say, invented genres. But we're talking roots music galore. So, you know, um, but she was kind of the first country music royalty already. Um, right. So he married June Carter. And so that was his entree into the country music establishment. But he was already a country star at that point, right? Correct? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some people would argue he had already done his best work before yeah. they really get together. I mean, she, if you want, if you can't watch, I walk the line and assume everything is true. I, maybe that's an obvious statement, <laughs> but like the way they, the, the way the movies, the story unfolds, it's, it's not accurate. I mean, there's a lot of truthful things in that movie, but she's not there from the beginning. She's not in the car with cash in the early days that comes later. They meet early on in his career, but it's just kind of a, a chance meeting and, and he falls in, I mean, from what the sources say, he pretty much falls in love with her initially and says, I'm going to marry you one day. But they you know they're both married and it takes a while for them to really get together. But yeah, no, I mean, he was an established star. Mm. She was co- sort of, you know, she was this legacy. She was famous for what she did with the Carter family, but her, you know, her career was not going necessarily great. I mean, Cash was all, he was all druggy when she he finally was- kind of joins the band, but he he was a wreck and she, she was more stable. I think she kind of realized that, you know, if I, if I stick with Johnny cash, you know, my, my legacy is going to be secure. I mean, it wasn't an easy marriage or anything like that, but they don't get married till 68, but uh. they are touring together for a while. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. they knew each other for a long time before they're, they're how, actually married. I'm sorry. How long yeah. were they, how long were they touring together before they, they, it's about seven years. Okay. And um, okay. The first, you know, five or six years, he his drug problem is is pretty bad. Um, yeah. There's so, a very yeah. There's a very famous photo. I don't remember where I saw it. I've been to the Country Music Hall of Fame twice, but I don't remember if I saw it there or on the television for a documentary or somewhere. But there's a famous photo of Johnny Cash is playing in front of this huge crowd and June Carter is kind of off to the side. And like, she looks like she's really put out. Like she looks like she's really annoyed or angry or something. Yeah. Um, And she's actually the subject of the photo. Like he's kind of off in the distance, like playing to this massive crowd. Yeah. Um, It's an outdoor festival, I think, but yeah. Well, I think that says a lot in a way, mm, that photo, because yeah. um, he was the big draw. I mean, I mean, June's really important to the story because they, they become this this country music power duo, essentially, you know, before mm. uh, George and Tammy and Dolly and Porter and all, all those kind of couples that you see come come around mm. in the late 60s. They're, they're kind of the first one. So, um you know, they, they balanced each other out well in a lot of ways, but if you listen to a full concert, it's, you know, it's the overwhelming majority of it is cash and his band, but then June will come on. They'll do some duets. Uh, usually don't really hear the Carter, the Carter family themselves would do some, some numbers during a show. So you don't hear that at Folsom or, or these other concerts, but no, I mean, they're, they're a big part of the show. I think obviously, mm. Cash wanted June there just as a performer, but um, she would also perform with Mother Maybell and her sister. So it was kind of like you're keeping the continuity between the late 1920s and the late 1960s, you know, when Folsom comes out. It's kind of like you're getting the whole history of country music essentially on stage. Mm. So it was a lot of a lot of reasons why, you know, June was was such a good fit. But 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't easy being married to Johnny Cash. That's for, that's for sure. I would imagine not. Um, could you, okay. So let's sort of zero back down to your book. Cause I could gab to you about Johnny Cash, not all day long, but sure. Cause I have a thing to do later, but <laughs> for a lot of the day anyway. Um, so what years does your book focus on? Well, it, it really covers his whole, it, it actually starts before he's born. Um, mm. The first chapter, it's, it's chronological. So I start with where he was born. Uh, he's, he's born in 1932 in Cleveland County, Arkansas, a small town called Kingsland. Mm. And I try to give some, some background to that town uh, because it wasn't, necessarily your typical kind of southern town in some ways it was some ways it wasn't but how um, was it how was it not well it's not when you're comparing it to dais where he where he really grows up uh because they Mm. moved there when he's three that's Mm. kind of what you would think of if you go there today it's like flat cotton everywhere it's a cotton town and it's close to the mississippi so it's a delta town Kingsland is not a Delta town. It's kind of more like South Central. So you're actually probably closer to Louisiana than a lot of places in Arkansas. So it's more of a kind of timber town. I mean, they did grow cotton there. Um, But if you go there, you're not going to see, you know, cotton fields. If you go through the middle of town, it's, it's really was a railroad town for the cotton, the cotton belt line. Uh, went through there. So it, it certainly depended on cotton, but it doesn't have that look necessarily. It's just, I mean, honestly, if cash wasn't from there, it's just a town you you drive through and not really think much of it. Um, when you're in Dice, you know you're in the Delta. It's just an unmistakable Delta town. So Kingsland's kind of more of a nondescript place, um, but it's closer to a fairly, it's close to a fairly big big town, I guess, for, for that region uh, called Ryzen. So, um, you know, you can, you can go down there now. There's a little bit of Johnny Cash stuff. They're trying to do a museum, but it was a big timber town. So uh, Ray Cash, who was uh, Johnny's dad, he would he'd work in timber sometimes. He'd work in cotton other times. He'd slaughter cattle or something. I mean, just kind of doing all these, these types of odd jobs. It's not really till they get to dice that they're focusing exclusively on um, cotton. So yeah, there. I mean, there are obviously a lot of similarities between South Central Arkansas and Northeastern Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But you know, I wanted to sort of uh, give some shape to that early experience because you know he didn't remember being in Kingsland because he moved; he was so young. But I just found that backstory interesting. I wanted to get into his family's genealogy and what they did during the civil war and all that stuff. So, you know, some people might be like, so where's Johnny cash. We haven't got to Johnny cash. It's like page 30 or whatever, but. Well, if you think about it, I mean, the saying is like, you know, the history before you like informs who you are. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, well, and I think it's important yeah. to talk about his family and and his parents. Um, don't know a lot about his mother, other than she played music and she was religious and stuff. But his mm. his dad is uh, important because you know he's the he's the patriarch and he was, he was not a he's not a nice guy. So yeah, I, I wanted to talk about them and you know just put all these things in context because. You're just not going to get that in a lot of stories about cash. I mean, you know, they're picking up where he was famous or, or, or they might talk about a little bit about his backstory. Um, but yeah. most of them don't start until he gets to dais. So I, I wanted to focus on that, that early period. I mean, it's important, I think, especially for a lot of famous people. It's yeah. important to understand that these are people too. Like, yeah, these are just regular, fo- especially like if you're a musician, like so if you're like a Elton John or a Johnny Cash or like a Freddie Mercury, 
you're like first generation rich. So, yeah. It, it, well, and, you know, like you said, I mean, these, these people are famous and stuff, but yeah, they, they all come from somewhere. And mm-hmm. the thing with Arkansas too, is a lot of this stuff just isn't really in the historical record. I mean, you, there are not a lot of books written about Arkansas in the way that there are books written about other places. So when I got there, I said, well, you know, there's a lot of stories here that haven't really been told. And I mean, Cash's story has been told to a certain degree, but uh, a lot of them are just, you know, coffee table type books or like mass market paperbacks. Uh, when I was there, the, the Robert Hilburn biography came out, which was, which is really good. And it was a bestseller and everything. So it's been kind of the last 10 or 15 years, people are getting more serious about him and trying to document, you know, who he was and, and what he did. So, so part of it was that just trying to document these, these pieces, because a lot of, a lot of history books and especially books on cash and there's no footnotes, there's no real way to verify some of the things Now, some of them it's not important, but just little things like, what was the weather like on the day Johnny Cash was born? And it's, it's amazing how hard it is to kind of find out that, that information. Cause like one source had said it was a snowy day because it was February, it was late February. I don't know why that was in there. I don't think there's any basis for that. I think it was just this writer that thought, well, it's February. It must be kind of snowy. Right. But as you know, living in Atlanta, it can be February. It can be 80 degrees out. Well, so it can be It can be 60. <laughs> Not, well, <laughs> I mean, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, right. in Arkansas can certainly be, it can be pretty warm some days in the the late winter. So, mm-hmm. you know, just like following up those things, um, which is, you know, a lot of work sometimes. I didn't want to be nitpicking everything that's ever been said about cash. Certainly, I'm sure some people will, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not necessarily going to get it right 100% percent of the time either but mm. you know just these very kind of basic things um like his name there was controversy about what his actual name is because he went by jr for years and years really until he graduated from high school and some people said well it didn't really mean anything initially jr but then you look at his birth announcement in 1932 it says john r cash so he mm. was john from the beginning, but he's not Johnny until he's really making records. So just all the stuff you can't take for granted, but it's kind of interesting to, to follow these threads. And I think Johnny, you know, it's a great country name. If you're going to, you don't want to yeah. go by John or Jr. You know, you go by Johnny it's like Johnny paycheck or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, Willie Nelson. I mean, I'm assuming his name is William, right? But, I, have uh, a, I have a question. So there's a controversy about his name, right? Yeah. So who gave him Johnny as a name? Well, that was something he he goes to the Air Force, and I think he's going by John Cash. But then when he gets to Son, Sam Phillips, I think, suggested, or maybe they agreed on it, or I'm, I'm not sure who came up with the idea necessarily, but wanted to go by Johnny Cash as a performing name, which again, makes sense. It kind of has that country youthful sound to it. So I think it was, you know, kind of a business decision. And he later in life, he, I don't know, he used to just say this thing in interviews. He was like, there's two guys battling in me. There's Johnny and there's Cash. And I think he said that, I hope I'm getting this right. He said, Johnny is kind of the good one and Cash is the one that causes all the trouble. Uh, or maybe vice versa. I, I think it's cash. He said causes all the trouble, but it was kind of this okay. you know, duality going on uh, in him. So it's kind of interesting. It, you know, this story has, has all the elements and obviously Hollywood took, took it up, but um, you know, when you're a performer, sometimes you change your name and sometimes it might take multiple name changes before your success, like Rodney Dangerfield. Like I'm not, sure what his original name is but you know it's just got it's a common uh show business kind of deal but uh, johnny obviously it's a take on john it's not that that different yeah it's a take on johnny cash uh so 
was Cash his last name? Was that really his last name? Well, yeah, yeah. Cash is his last name. And, you know, again, his, his real name was John, but um, I think his, the J-R, obviously it's John and the R might be Rivers because his mother's maiden name was Rivers. So okay. that, that might be it. But it was kind of a compromise, I guess, with the parents. And sometimes you do do that. I mean, with your mm. kids, it's like someone wants mm. one thing and another and you just kind of combine them or they yeah. go by an initial or they go by their middle name or, or whatever. But so, um, yeah. in the in the movie, in the movie Walk the Line that you and I both have seen, um, it made a, it played up the idea that he his brother dying when he right. was a boy affected him sure uh affected him greatly because i'm sure his brother dying affected him i'm not that dumb but did it affect him tremendously it was just sort of like an inner demon type of thing i think so yeah okay. I, I he he referred back to it okay much later in interviews and everything and okay they were pretty close and i think yeah uh you know, you lose a brother. It's, mm. it's tough, uh, especially that age. Cause he was a little, he's a little younger than Jack. I think Jack was 15. Johnny was 12 or, or almost, or maybe he's 11. Okay. So Jack, okay, so wait, Jack Cash was Johnny Cash's brother. Right. His older brother, not the oldest uh, brother in the family, uh, but they shared a room okay. together in Dias and, his brother okay. wanted to be a preacher, so his brother was very religious. And and there's an apocryphal story. I have no idea if it's true that his he promised his mother that he'd be a preacher or be. A... Yeah, I, no, I think that's true. I, okay. I mean, there's sort of a, a deathbed scene in the movie okay. that is is told in the books too, and it's it's a you know as as tragic as it was, it's a spiritual moment for the family, and I think mm. his father promised he would stop drinking afterward i don't think that was a permanent thing but i think he did try for he did for years um mm. stay away from it but one thing that i found was interesting is that after jack dies you see the family becoming more religious in terms of being baptized okay um which is you you don't get baptized as a baby in the baptist church um the way you do in, in the catholic church so you kind of see that that they're they're becoming more religious uh, i think the dad did try to sober up a bit um but yeah that's 1944 so it's kind of in the middle not in the middle but um he graduates from high school in 1950 so it's kind of in that middle period between them getting to dais and then and leaving so so he uh, was, was a pretty in, major event, yeah. So when he was in the Air Force, it would have been during the Korean War. Okay. Yeah, but he's in Germany, so he's yeah. not yeah. he's not near the action. And I should we should back up and say that he was in the Air Force. <laughs> he was. Yeah. And took a boat to get to Germany, which I think is kind of funny that the Air Force guys are taking yeah. a boat. But uh yeah, the Air Force was pretty new. I mean, I think it wasn't even created till after World War II. So, um, it was a good gig if you wanted to be in the military, but you're not going to be in combat, Mm. but the work was pretty tedious. It was pretty exhausting. It was was a code breaker. So he was, was, and he was playing, he, he taught himself how to play guitar or something like that. Yeah, he had some, I think he had a few lessons when he was in Dias, but it never really took, he wasn't really playing. And then mm. when he gets to Germany, I mean, he has so much downtime. He he had some friends that knew how to play. He did buy his first guitar. Mm. And in so much of the cash story, I, th- I think there's a lot of embellishment in terms of his stories. So his story of him yeah. buying his first guitar, it's like uphill both ways in a snowstorm kind of story. So yeah. You know, he he liked to tell some some. <laughs> I mean, the, some exaggerated uh, f- fishing stories. You know I, mean? I mean, the thing is, the thing is that I feel like we should say for the international folks here, um, you know, Johnny Cash is not. He's a monument to Amer- in American music. Yeah, um, I mean, it's he's kind of. To me, he's bigger than Elvis. 
honestly, yeah. because he lasted longer. He lasted longer than Elvis. He, um, he affected all kinds of genres. I heard, so I'm into heavy metal myself, and I heard a, a heavy metal musician, famous guy, say that Johnny Cash was the first metal act he ever heard, which is funny to, to think about. Johnny Cash being metal. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people can claim him, you know, and I mean, if he had lived another 10 or 15 years, I mean, who knows what he would have done, but yeah. he was very cool in that way. He he liked all kinds of music. The Ruben years are really interesting mm. because he is taking from hip, uh, not so much hip hop, but like, yeah, like some metal sources or like uh. hard rock personal i mean who would have thought i mean go listen to nxs's personal jesus and then try to imagine that as johnny cash yeah johnny cash did that i mean honestly well, and he's he's <laughs> able to reinterpret some of those in his own way where he sort of it's his song now like her is really kind of johnny cash's song and what's amazing is when you watch trent reznor perform it today that's how he performs it as a okay. quiet song. Yeah. Which is, that's how it affected him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting kind of mixed bag of, of things yeah. that he does later. Some of the albums are a little bit more consistent than others. I like the yeah. Ruben stuff a lot, but yeah. you're not really getting too many original cash songs. There are, there are some, um, but mostly he's reinterpreting other people's, songs in a very cool yeah. way and they, yeah they've kind of become definitive i i really like his uh false prison stuff i really yeah do. i think that's really cool um you were telling me off air and i don't know if you want to say this or not but the story about he would come back to arkansas periodically yeah definitely i i don't know how many times you know all together i i think it was it was fairly regularly i mean he's He's not that far from Nashville necessarily. I mean, Little Rock to Nashville is maybe like five hours, but if he's down in Kingsland or he's up in Dias, I don't know, it might be a little shorter, a little longer, depending. So it's not a super long drive. And again, you know, later on, he's got the tour bus and stuff, so he doesn't have to do it himself. But his family (laughs) in Kingsland, they all kind of stuck around. Everyone in Dias left around the time that he became famous. So his dad and his mother moved to California when he was living there. That was another part of the story. Uh, he was in California for a long time before he moves to Tennessee. How so, long was he in California? Well, he moves there around the time he joins Columbia, about 58, late 58 or summer 58, I think. And then he is, you know, he's, he's going back and forth between Nashville and he's touring and everything. But I think, it's about 10 years. I think he doesn't really officially become a Nashville resident until 67. And mm. for a little while, he's living with Waylon Jennings, which was a complete disaster. I mean, they're like hiding yeah. drugs from each other and all this shit. So he's not taking it very seriously in Nashville for a while. But, you know, he would be there for extended periods and then he'd he'd be maybe back in California for a little bit. And then when the drugs get really bad, he's not at home very much. So he's, he's on the road Hmm. probably more days of his life than not for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then he stops touring in the nineties and he kind of just does the studio stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many different stories to tell. I mean, I talk about the Jamaica uh, break in at their, their family's, house there's this home invasion in the early 80s uh he lived in jamaica in the 80s yeah he i'm not sure when he i'm trying to think when he got there that's when the invasion happened but i think he would he'd been he'd been there in the 70s he's been there for a while and he he kept going back but um so he lived oh wait did he live in jamaica or did he just i wouldn't say he lived there I, i mean they had a house and he was there for extended periods okay I mean, I think from probably 67 onwards, you can say he's living in the Nashville area. He has this big house in Hendersonville, which isn't too far. He has this farm called uh, Bon Aqua that he visits. I think that's, he probably liked that just as much as as the other house. Um, So he's got a couple 
couple places outside of Nashville, but I think he kind of detested the conservatism of Nashville. Obviously there's a lot to Nashville that's progressive in, in the music okay. there, okay. but I think he was sort of the first outlaw. So like he's playing the Opry and he's doing his thing, but you know, you don't really have Waylon for a while. You don't have Willie, you don't have Christofferson. I mean, he discovers Christofferson. So uh, the outlaws are kind of more of a Texas thing. And so when they get there, they sort of take off where cash was, but cash wasn't uh, really an outlaw quote unquote. I mean, you hear him on outlaw radio now, but um, he was kind of yeah. the, the badass, the major badass guy in Nashville for a while. But I think yeah. he just, he didn't like the, the snobbiness or the stuffiness or, or whatever, like the, the bad things about Nashville really got under his skin so he's well, sort of there but not really you know he's not really the, on the inside in a lot of ways one of the things that uh, i will say is the um so i'm by no definition of anybody's definition a country fan per se but i've been to the country music hall of fame twice and i also went to the to the to the grand Ole opry and had the tour and when you go to the Opry, they they show you um, this is Johnny Cash's dressing room. You know, these are the lockers. Okay, right? Yeah. And you immediately get the other. Just standing there in the hallway as an adult, you immediately get the other side of the story without even without even them telling it to you. Which is, do you really want? this man storing drugs in a locker because they had the keys to the locker. Like the different acts had the keys to these lockers. The Opry staff didn't have the keys. They did. So like the, the stars did. So that's why I think that played a lot to do with him being kicked out of the Opry was the, the Opry management didn't want him storing drugs in the, in the Opry lockers. Well, and there's this, I'm trying to think what year this was, but yeah, might be 65 where he kicks out a bunch of lights on the stage because he mm. was yeah. messed up and I'm not sure what set him off, but he kicked all these lights out and they're like, okay, you're banned. But then in a couple of years he's back. But um, yeah, yeah. I think just the fact that he was kind of an outsider and I mean, you know, it's Nashville. So, to a certain degree, everyone's kind of an outsider, but I think that because he was from Arkansas, he didn't grow up there. He didn't really get a start there. I mean, Memphis is a rock and roll town. It's a blues town. It's a soul music town. It's not mm. really a country town. So he was the Memphis rock and roll guy for that lack of a better phrase. And he gets to Nashville and it's like, well, we cut, we, we cut, we cut country records here. You know, it's like, well, mm okay, I'll do that. But he also kind of wanted to do his own thing. So just being on tour, being in California, he didn't, I think he resisted for a long time until June sort of got him to clean up his act. She's like, well, you know, let's, let's yeah. be in Nashville. This is where the action is. And so that's where he stayed, but I don't, I don't think he really, he loved it necessarily. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, as much as I've read about this, stuff i mean a lot of the country you know there's like country and there's like the real inner country and you can you can argue about what's real country music but i think a lot of the people that would be at the opry on every given weekend were not really cash's kind of people i mean i, I would agree with that but you also, play for everybody but i think that kind of town and gown thing really just yeah. rubbed in the wrong way i i would agree with that but also i mean i've you know Johnny Cash obviously never spoke to me, but I've certainly, <laughs> well, I've, I've heard him say, right. Yeah. That he was, he was not a country artist. He was a musician. Right. right. So I've, I've heard him say that a lot, but I just wanted to put it out there that he never said that to me. <laughs> no, I mean, he would say, and this was you know, way uh, yeah. well, like in the late sixties when he's getting really famous, he just kind of said, well, yeah, you, you got to call me like you see me. I mean, he didn't yeah. want to be categorized. And I've talked to other musicians who they don't like that. Like, I guess a lot of artists, they don't like 
to be put in a genre or some kind of box or something. So, yeah. so cash kicked against that, you know, expectedly. I mean, it's, that's not surprising at all, but other, other people I've talked to too, it's like, uh, I was just reading something recently. There, there was kind of one of those people where they're just, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, I'm, I'm writing this thing about this, this country guy from Arkansas. And like, people have called him an outlaw and he's like, eh, I don't, I don't want to be known as an outlaw and all this stuff. So even some labels that you would think people would want to embrace, they really don't because I don't know, I guess they just, they don't want to be predictable or they don't, you know, want to have to live up to some kind of expectation that you might have. But yeah. Um, so yeah, sure. if you throw around words like outlaw for, for cash, I mean, it does apply to a certain degree, but it also doesn't. I mean, and, to them, like maybe outlaw has a different connotation. Like, Maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, I think I see outlaw country yeah. in its truest form is really more of a Texas thing because they don't, I mean, they do what they yeah. do in Nashville, but again, Willie's he's an Austin guy. Waylon's from Texas. Like, and that's, it's still a thing out there. I mean, they have a lot of people, they'd rather go to Austin than go to Nashville because Nashville is it's pop it's bro country it's whatever like they don't really like working there because it's it's too constrictive but then there are other people who've done great in nashville and, and continue and they're kind of more yeah. the outlaw guys so i don't know it, it really just depends but i would yeah. say now i mean outside of the competition in nashville which is crazy like that's not where you go if you want to be kind of an outlaw dude. you got to start somewhere else. well to me like I mean, to me, the thing that that I would notice even today, when I go to Nashville just as a tourist, yeah, is Nashville compared to Atlanta is a small place, and I could just imagine, like back in the '60s, Nashville is probably even smaller. So sure, yeah, not that Atlanta was bigger then because it wasn't, but in the '60s it would even be a smaller place, and I don't know if. Memphis is bigger was bigger than Nashville at that point or whatever, but just saying it's not until <laughs> recently really that Nashville overtakes Memphis because Memphis is mm. initially you know originally it was it was a cotton town it's right mm. on the river so you had more it was more kind of a business town until you get Sam Phillips and you get Stacks that are that are putting out great music but then yeah. that period's relatively brief I mean it's maybe you know, the mid fifties to the mid sixties yeah. son is really doing anything. And, uh, and plus like Sam Phillips was straight up putting out rock and roll records. Wasn't he? Right. Basically. Yeah. I mean, that's Elvis. That's Jerry yeah. Lewis. It's cash. And, yeah. So it's a different culture musically in addition to everything else, but you know, yeah. Nashville now it's the biggest city in Tennessee and it's the music capital of the country, but it's got so much now. I mean, you don't necessarily just go there to be a country musician. You can do other things. I don't, I don't really follow it that closely and I don't really listen to a lot of new country, but you know, Jack White moved there and he started his record label. So he started a record plant basically. Record Right. Yeah. I mean, he does everything. Making actual records out of it, like actual vinyl. Right. Yeah. So (laughs) it certainly has evolved. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, picking on Nashville or anything. I mean, it produces great music, produces horrible music. So it's just yeah. the nature of the industry. But I think Cash, if he were still around, he'd still be like, well, I mean, you know, Nashville, sure, it's where everybody goes, but it's not necessarily where I have to do my thing. I mean, he records those initial Ruben songs in California, just like in Rick Rubin's living room or whatever. So yeah, I could see cash now if maybe, you know, he was doing, he probably would just be doing a lot of like home recording and maybe mm-hmm. he would be in Tennessee or maybe he would have moved to Arkansas and just got a house and did his own. I mean, you don't have to necessarily be anywhere now. Um, I know Nashville's still yeah. big. It's central to country music, but like yeah. you can record an album anyway. It's it's so crazy if you see the the video the the video listen to me if you see the photography the photographs of the the music row yeah it's so crazy it's like that was actually houses 
right regular houses that people turned into record studios or whatever yeah crazy well and like you said i mean nashville was kind of a small town up until fairly recently i mean same thing with austin like austin is pretty small Mm. uh comparatively it's, it's grown huge so yeah there's there's certainly just kind of uh yeah make it up as we go along aspect to nashville but because the Opry was there, I think that that's kind of more what Cash is rebelling against. It's not it's not Music Row. I mean, maybe now Music Row is considered like conservative, but like back in the yeah. day, it was the Opry was really the establishment. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess they're kind of more of these outlaw independent people who still do the Opry now. But I think yeah. that's historically been like the conservative Nashville establishment where they go. Yeah yeah um so you said he had family in in kingsport while he was alive or kingston or whatever you call it kingsland 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 sorry so yeah his his mother's family was from there too so his dad's family uh his dad was not a successful person in any way but his he had an uncle that was a sheriff and a landowner and everything so he had some influence but Cash's mother's family, they kind of came from South Carolina, but okay. both his parents were born in Arkansas. So it's definitely an Arkansas family. But, um, yeah, you know, preachers, farmers, the, those. Sorts yeah. Of- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of that running around. A lot of preachers and farmers, kids. Still today, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not in my family. You know, I did have an uncle who was a priest, but. We haven't had any farmers for a while. My mother's people were basically, a lot of them were preachers. And a lot of them were teachers. Okay. And a lot of preachers had to do other things. A lot of preachers in right. the South had to do other stuff. So they were farmers a lot of the time, or they were um, whatever, whatever else they could be. But, yeah. You know. No. Well, and that was the part of the research. I would I would come across a source that would maybe say yeah. Cash's grandfather was a preacher or whatever, and then I go in the census and says, "Well, he's a farmer." Yeah. Because you can be both, but yeah. yeah, I mean, preaching doesn't usually pay a lot, uh, especially yeah, late nineteenth, no. early twentieth century. Yeah. And a lot of them were country preachers, so they could be preachers in their house or preachers somebody might build them a church or something but it wasn't like today where you have parking lots and physical plants and blah 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 and they might travel around and yeah like the circuit preacher. riders they call them and get yeah. on horseback and go from place to place yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely but um, the area we're talking about is so overwhelmingly rural i mean mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. today arkansas it's only got like three million people in the whole state so it's a very rural yeah, place. Very, very rural place. Um, plus, like you said, Delta Town. So I've driven through the Delta, but I've never stopped in Delta. So what is Delta? When you say Delta Town, what are you talking about? Well, anything that's fairly close to the Mississippi. I mean, you can have, depending on the river, I mean, like even the, the Arkansas River, which cuts through Little Rock, there's, you know, you can be in the, the Delta of the Arkansas River, but it's not the same necessarily as the Mississippi because Mississippi is so long and it's going mm-hmm. North to South. So it's kind of, you know, it, it encompasses a huge area. You've got Louisiana, you've got Mississippi, you've got Arkansas, you've got St. Louis is on the Mississippi. You've got Davenport, Iowa, you've got Minnesota, mm-hmm. everything that cash talks about in the song, big river. It's like you go the length of the Mississippi from Minnesota down to New Orleans so kind of anything yeah. in that belt, the cotton belt is the Delta. The, technically, the Mississippi drains Canada. I mean, technically, you know. Yeah. So I'm just saying we, we should say to the international folks, the Mississippi is one of the longest rivers in the world. Yeah, um, it's a huge much. river. It's a huge, and, yeah. you know, obviously under slavery, you've got all these cotton plantations, huge Mm African-American populations along the Mississippi in the Delta, 
you know, people usually think of Mississippi and the blues guys that come out of it, but you know, there's an Arkansas Delta and uh, Louisiana Delta mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. it's a big region, but it has that mystique of home of the blues, cotton mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, unfortunately, a lot of these Delta towns were doing better in the 1930s than they are now, like a place like uh, Helena, Arkansas, which is on the river. It's a cool town to visit because it's got a lot of history and, and blues history, but the town itself, you know, it's a shell of, of what it was. I mean, it was, it was, it was a pretty cool town in the thirties and you had Robert Johnson coming in and out, Sonny Boy Williamson and everything. And so it's got, it's got an interesting past, but the present is a little grim, at least downtown sort of, Mm. like a whole lot of other towns people moved out of mm. the center and they're mm. where the walmarts are and everything mm. so it's it's changed quite a bit um yeah but cash was in one of those towns i mean it's it's an all-white town dais when he's there but it's it's a delta town there's they're not mm. only close to the mississippi there's a river that cuts through the town itself the taranza river so it was literally set up as a so dais was a new town Correct. It was a new town, mm-hmm. not really socialist. I mean, parts of it were cash kind of framed it that way, but nothing was just given to you. I mean, you had to work for the land. You had to pay off your land, your house, um, mm-hmm. your livestock and stuff. But there was a there was a cooperative store and things like that. So there was a certain amount of pooling of resources. But for what it, for the time, I mean, you know, they, they had a decent school, Cash got a decent education. So as small as it is, relatively speaking, I mean, for Arkansas, a couple thousand people, that's not a tiny town. And, um, you know, it was strong agriculturally. Uh, you know, they eventually get like a roller rink, they get a movie theater. So, you know, for a kid, 1930s and 40s, it's a pretty cool place to grow up if you have to grow up in the Delta. Um, but it was totally segregated, too which is another interesting aspect of the story. So cash for as much as he loved, um, you know, black music and the blues and everything, he's not growing up around neighbors that are African-American or anything like that, which is odd compared to other Southern towns. I mean, that's not even under, even under Jim Crow and segregation, you were not like totally segregated from the other races. So this is kind of an odd setup for, for Arkansas. Why do you think his music endures today? Well, I think it's just, it's honest music. I think the fact that it's kind of stripped down Mm. is good for him. Um, And like a song like Hurt, like Mm. it's just him and his acoustic guitar or Mm. um, someone was playing acoustic. He didn't always necessarily play uh, guitar on on the songs but let's just assume that he did for that recording um you know it's, there's nothing more basic than that so if he reinterprets reinterprets something and you like you said nine inch nails is now kind of doing the johnny cash version like if it's you and your guitar you can kind of do anything in a way so i think the the music is is timeless in a lot of ways if you if you listen to his albums where there's a little bit more going on. Maybe like there's some background vocals or there's a saxophone or something like it might be an okay song, but it doesn't quite sound like Johnny Cash. You kind of want like just him, the bass and maybe the electric guitar, which is really all he did for a long time. Then the drums came in later, but still that doesn't change the music that much. So I think it's just, it's just aged well because of the sound because he's so distinctive and it's kind of deceptively simple. So even though you might think, oh, well, I could do that, you, you really can't quite nail it. So yeah. it, it just, it, he has a very cool sound. He, is the fact very, that he, he crosses genres is good for him, too. His voice isn't exactly, um, he has a very kind of everyman voice. Yeah, it's not and, classic. Yeah. It's not like classically trained or anything, but he hits notes that, no human can hit. I mean, it's yeah. insane, you know? Yeah. So yeah, very distinctive sound, distinctive voice. I think obviously the songs that he wrote are timeless, like walk the line. And um, I mean, Folsom prison, he, he kind of stole a lot of that, <laughs> that song, at least lyrically, 
but he added, you know, that mm. shot a man arena line. That's his, that kind of transforms it into his song, but the sound of it is, is way different from the original version. Yeah. So he was always able to kind of interpret things in a, in a really interesting way, but yeah, no one quite sounds like him as a vocalist. So there's always that, you know, it's Johnny cash when you're listening to it and he, he still gets played. And so He's kind of that rock and roll guy. He's kind of an outlaw, but he's also just kind of a guy that can play acoustic. He can play gospel. So he could really just kind of do everything. I think that sort of simplicity of the sound worked against him for a little while, like the seventies and eighties, because things were getting kind of. Kind of complicated. Well, and also like cosmopolitan, like that country politan sound with strings Mm -hmm. and stuff like that wasn't really him. So he's kind of lost in the wilderness, Mm. but I think eventually things are going to get back to basics and he's, he's one of those guys that you look to if if you want to get back to that. Dylan did the same thing. I mean, Dylan kind of had the same trajectory as an artist and even maybe Neil Young, you know, like Mm. he was a country rock guy and then no one was listening for a while, but then he just kind of waits for the, for the culture to change and he's doing his grunge thing again. So I think this stuff kind of moves in cycles, but, but cash. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he ever really did a bad album. I mean, there's some that are kind of forgettable or not great, but like he, he was always trying. I mean, he wasn't just one of these guys that just, just, just kind of gave up, but um, for a while it just wasn't working. There's a reason he's inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame. Sure. And the country hall of fame. Well, and I remember when when Walk the Line came out, I was at a record store somewhere and this this guy was talking about the movie. He's like, man, Johnny Cash could rock. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah." I mean, he was one of the original rock and roll guys. I mean, Elvis is the same thing at Sun. He's he's not with horns and backup singers, just like a couple of dudes with guitars and a bass player. They didn't have a drummer. So, yeah, you know, I, I think you know, people that love rockabilly, they look back to cash and the sun records. And he, he was just a, he was just a cool guy, you know, the wearing the black, the whole persona. I mean, Freddie Mercury was a Johnny cash fan. Yeah. I mean, come on. Who's not Freddie Mercury was the guy who wrote (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Was a Johnny cash fan. Yeah. I think you'd be hard pressed to find (laughs) someone that, that doesn't like, I mean, I mean, it's almost unanimous in terms of people might not be a huge fan, but those are like, yeah, at least like a few Johnny Cash songs. And James Hetfield is a Johnny Cash. You can't get more different than Johnny Cash and Metallica. Yeah. James Hetfield is a Johnny. I mean, James Hetfield is a Johnny Cash fan. I mean, even more so than people with the Beatles or, <laughs> or Elvis, like you were talking about Elvis. Like, I've never been a huge Elvis guy, yeah. um, but I've, I've always loved Cash. And I do like the Beatles. I love classic rock yeah. and stuff, but I think everybody kind of likes Johnny Cash. So I've met people who don't like the Beatles. They don't like Led Zeppelin, but Cash is just something yeah. just kind of pure, kind of honest. Um, to, to me, like the, the thing that sums up Johnny Cash musically is that the guy who did the guy, the lead singer of Coldplay and the lead singer of Metallica, both like Johnny Cash. Yeah. You can't get more different than Coldplay and Metallica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And again, I mean, if Cash had lived longer, mm. yeah, he might have been doing some Coldplay songs. Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's one in there with the Ruben stuff. I could be wrong, but um, mm. I think just he just wanted to do new things. He supported yeah. other acts. I mean, as, mm. as many problems as he had with his personal life, I think, you know, he was, he was a musician's musician in that. He would kind of mm. scout people out and give them a chance. And I, one story I absolutely wanted to tell in this book was him getting his second guitarist, Bob Wooten, because Luther Perkins dies. Luther Perkins dies in 68 and Bob Wooten shows up at a concert in Fayetteville in Arkansas. And Cash basically says, oh, you can play guitar. Why don't you come on up and join us? And he does great. He nails it. And he stays with Cash for 30 years. I'm like, that'll never happen I mean, could you imagine something like that happening now? Like, there's there's been a couple a couple instances of that, but it's yeah. really rare. Like the that you they would even really stay rare. with them too. I mean, I could yeah. see like 
a one-off like that time keith moon passed out they brought a drummer up on stage for like three or four songs but like that he stayed with them yeah it's just like a dream come true for a fan well i mean that was like henry rollins did that with black flag or yeah i can't think of the other guy's name but yeah but those are the guys but you know like that uncommon yeah you know um all right colin uh thank you thank you thank you thank you ben it's good talking with you no we could do it no i'm glad we could too this is why i love being a podcaster folks all right like i always say i'm having a great day and i hope you are too folks okay colin woodward's book country boy the story of johnny cash in arkansas comes out on july 29th 2022 you should give it a read i'm a huge johnny cash fan and i like colin woodward um i know him mainly through twitter and some other stuff but you should give it a read he's an independent researcher um and if you can you know help him out by buying this book that'd be great also i'd just like to say that I love being a podcaster, and this is one of the reasons why. I like talking to folks about what they do and about their impressions of the world. And I learned a lot about Johnny Cash in Arkansas, uh, just recording this and talking to Colin. And like I always say every time, I'm having a great day, and I hope you are too, folks. Okay. I'm going to leave a link below in the description. And uh, you guys, take it easy. All right, bye.